0: Welcome to Question Period, I'm Evan Solomon. Today on the program, liberal exile. The team
1: has to trust each other. And with Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott, that trust has been broken.
0: Did the Prime Minister do the right thing kicking Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott out of the party? Did Wilson-Raybould do the right thing secretly recording a conversation with the Clerk of the Privy Council? What happens now? The democratic institutions minister Karina Gould joins us today with the government's view and then the scrum will debate all this with pollster Nick Nanos. And then, climate truths.
2: We have no choice but to act on climate change. Battle
0: lines are being drawn on the carbon tax. Does the liberal plan go too far or not far enough? And do the Conservatives even have a plan that will hit the targets they promised to hit? The MPs are here to debate the burning issue, plus sexting scandal. Ontario MP Tony Clement is leaving politics months after a sexting scandal surfaced. What really happened there, and was there a security threat? We've got a candid interview with the former minister, Tony Clement. This is Question Period. Let's go get some answers.
3: obviously some very difficult weeks uh, in the past and uh, speaking for myself I can say that um, the decisions that I have made um, I have made on the basis of what I believe is best for Canadians to stand up for uh, the truth and to stand up for uh, the independence of the justice system. I am to put it lightly disappointed and I would say that um, if you stand up for what you believe is right and you hold strong to your principles, um, the truth and principles must always come first. And that's what I did and that's what I'll continue to do.
0: Gone but far from forgotten, former cabinet ministers Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott were kicked out of the Liberal caucus, and they're not going quietly. Both have said since that the prime minister just should have apologized for what they maintained was a serious attempt at political interference and the independence of the justice system. The prime minister argues that his trust in them was broken after Wilson-Raybould's secret recording of the clerk of the Privy Council. He called it unconscionable. Well, this week, stories emerged that Jody Wilson-Raybould demanded that the prime minister fire two top PMO advisers and the clerk of the Privy Council in order to maintain her position in cabinet. She denies those stories. But if that's why Wilson-Raybould got kicked out, what about Jane Philpott? And why... Did she also get the boot? Will this finally stem the bleeding of the SNC-Lavalin controversy, or is there more to come? For the record, we did ask both Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott to appear on the program today. They both declined. However, joining me now is the Democratic Institutions Minister, Karina Gould. Minister, good to see you. Thanks
4: for having me.
0: When exactly did the Prime Minister and your caucus lose trust in Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott?
4: Well, I think, um, Evan, that it has been over a series of the past weeks. I mean, I think there were a number of efforts that were made by the Prime Minister, by Cabinet colleagues, by caucus colleagues to engage, to have conversations with both Jane and Jody to see how we could find a solution to move forward together. Um, all of these efforts, um, unfortunately, didn't result in a way that we could move forward in a trusting relationship between caucus and Jody and but Jane. But what was the
0: breaking point? For, because yeah. f- first it was the taping of the conversation between Jody Wilson-Raybould and the Clerk of the Privy Council. The Prime Minister called it unconscionable. Was that the break?
4: I, I think that was the tipping point. I think that was something that you know, none of us were aware of. Um, we you know, as, as ministers, uh, we rely on you know, unfettered advice from the public service. Uh, that relationship is really important to make sure that the public service, what, their motto is fearless advice and loyal implementation. But she didn't and so, think it was
0: advice. She thought it was improper pressuring. And she said, your government is focusing on the fact that, I, that she taped this. She says, look, I know it was inappropriate, but given the circumstances, it was important. And she says, focus on why I did it, not that I did it. I did it because I want to prove that there was improper pressure. And there was a threat, she says, when the clerk said the prime minister is going to get this done one way or another. Was she justified in taping him?
4: Well, look, Evan, so what we know from the tape recording is that that was all evidence that was tabled before the Justice Committee. She did not... uh, Advise anyone during her testimony during the Justice Committee that she had a tape recording of that. She only submitted that after the fact. So, was that a Didn't breach? In that? Was that
0: a breach for, for me? For,
4: for me, I, I think that that's something that is concerning and that is questionable.
0: Why was it an unconscionable act for Jody Wilson Raybould to secretly record a conversation with Michael Warnick, but it wasn't an unconscionable act for Gerald Butts to put Uh, to record a conversation between Jody Wilson-Raybould and the Prime Minister, and to take notes on that. Was Jody Wilson-Raybould informed that Mr. Butts and Ms. Telford were in the room, that they were taking notes, that the notes of that conversation would be released? Why was one okay, but the others not?
4: So, I mean, we often, and and, Ms. Wo- and Jody herself even said that when she's having conversations, she would normally have a staff person taking notes. Uh, that's the case with uh, Jerry and Katie in conversations with the prime minister. But what's the uh, difference?
0: Like if Mr. Butts is on the phone and she doesn't know it and he's taking notes, but she gets the boot out because she secretly recorded a conversation because she felt unduly pressured. I don't know if Canadians appreciate the difference.
4: Well, let me put it to you this way and to Canadians. If you're in a workplace and you're having conversations with colleagues and you're in a formal meeting and you see people taking notes, uh, you know that those notes are being taken to uh, figure out what your next steps are going to be. But then let's say you have a call with a colleague after work and you're recording it and then you but she didn't see them taking that. notes.
0: I'm Just the analogy is not perfect because she didn't know that Mr. Butts was in the room taking notes. I mean, it's just not... Okay.
4: So, so, but I'm just saying, like, I think for people in workplaces across the country, they can kind of understand how it's difficult to uh, maintain trust when you, if, if a colleague of yours is recording you and then going to release that information okay. without telling anyone that they have the recording. Fair enough. Then publicly. So. Fair
0: enough. It's a fair point. Yeah. Although her point is, this is such an extreme circumstance. What about for Jane Philpott? Jane Philpott didn't secretly record anybody. Jane Philpott said, I'm standing up for the principle of justice. The Prime Minister should have just apologized. We would have moved on. Why was, what's the justification for throwing
4: her out of the Liberal Party? Well, so look, I can't talk about the conversations that we have in caucus, but what I can say is that there were many attempts to talk with Jane just as much as there were to talk with Jody. And ultimately, where caucus ended up is there, there wasn't trust um, between Jane and Jody and the rest of caucus. And the way that our system operates is that in that room, we have really difficult, really robust, really challenging conversations so that we can come out together rowing together for Canadians and putting forward policies that matter to Canadians. And that trust wasn't there, that those conversations could happen in um, a respectful and trusted manner.
0: Jane Philpott's point is, look, I agree with most of what your party does. But I just have a disagreement on the principle of political interference. The prime minister could just have apologized. It seemed to, she thought, look, I gave up my ministry, but why should I be
4: kicked out of the party for that? Was
0: it a mistake to kick Jane Philpott out?
4: So one of the things that I would point back to is that in her initial resignation letter, she did mention the fact that she had lost trust not only in uh, the leadership but also in the government and in the cabinet she said uh, right but you know there is no cabinet without the caucus um, and that's something that's really important to remember we are not government separate from the liberal caucus so it's the in many the fact that she ways. lost
0: trust not that she disagreed because lots of your caucus members disagree.
4: Of course right I mean you can okay. name a number of them that have come out and said different things but we still have inherently that trust amongst them.
0: Would mm-hmm. you ever welcome Jody Wilson-Raybould or Jane Philpott back into the caucus?
4: I think that uh, if they wanted to come back into the caucus, they would have to demonstrate uh, a real change um, in how they uh, interact with caucus members. They
0: want Justin Trudeau to apologize. Are you saying you would like them to apologize? Th- would you like an apology from them?
4: Um, no, not necessarily an apology, but I think um, a recognition that uh, this has been really hard on everyone. and uh, like no one is really happy with the outcome that we came to. And they were colleagues, they're friends, uh, they've done really good work on behalf of Canadians. You know, we've been able to move the yardstick both be right. on you a can't lot of
0: You can't both be right. They say the principle was violated, they resigned on principle. The Prime Minister said what they did was unconscionable and booted them out. You can't have this, everyone's right. They're either right or wrong. If they're, if they're wrong, if you believe they're wrong, that... I don't know what their motive is, but if you think they're just wrong, then you don't want them back. But you're saying what? If they promised to do what? Promise that they were wrong on the principle? Promise to say that their well, interpretation of the principle here was wrong?
4: Let's just say, Evan, there have been a lot of conversations between a lot of people. No matter what was uh, discussed, there was not a possibility to come to a right. solution that both sides agreed to. I think that's too bad. I think that we all feel regret about where we are, um, but what is clear is that there was an erosion of trust on both sides here, and uh, despite the best efforts of a lot of people, we weren't able to repair it.
0: Mr. Gould, I've got to leave it there. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. All right, coming up, Canada is on the front lines on the fight against climate change. In fact, the country is warming twice as fast as the rest of the world, according to a new report. Will this change the debate on the carbon tax? Will the Conservatives come up with a plan of their own? MPs are up next to debate that. Stay right here with Question Period.
2: three-quarters of the way to our target, but it's not really about targets. It's figuring out how do we be as ambitious as possible? How do we make sure we're growing our economy, creating good jobs? Well,
0: you can call the carbon wars after the government's price on carbon took effect this week, especially in those four provinces. Federal and provincial conservative leaders across the country have decided this is their sword issue in the coming election and acts ax- the tax movement, as it were. The liberals, while well, they're all too happy to debate anything instead of the SNC-Lavalin file, but they still have their own challenges on this one. After all, the federal environment watchdog says their plan doesn't go far enough to meet the Paris Climate Accord targets. Targets, I should say, all parties, conservatives included, signed on to. And while Andrew Scheer promised on this very program just over a year ago that he will have a plan that will hit those targets, but without a carbon tax, here we are, almost 12 months later, he still hasn't revealed it. So what plan will Canadians accept? To talk about all that, let's bring in MPs. Sean Fraser is the parliamentary secretary to the environment minister. Lisa Raid is the deputy conservative leader. And Alexandre Boulerice is the NDP's environment critic. Good morning to all of you. I'll start with Mr. Fraser. Um, the Environment and Sustainable uh, Development Commissioner, sir, says that your party, despite the carbon tax, will not even be able to meet uh, the Paris uh, uh, targets. Uh, will your party now raise? the carbon tax past the $50 a ton that you've already promised.
5: the plan on uh, on our uh putting a price on pollution is to review the program in 2022. Uh there's no plans to uh extend the uh the the price uh, beyond that. Uh but of course it's important to keep in mind that at the end of the day every penny and this is a feature of the legislation, every penny goes back to uh the provinces in which is collected. Uh so to the extent there's any changes uh, it's going to go right into the pockets of residents of those provinces. But sir, uh, to, it's to exciting to- for me uh, to be fair, Sorry, again, go ahead.
0: Your, the, the environment commissioner says your plan is just not going to hit your targets You pro- and for all sorts of reasons. You're not on track to hit the 2030 targets, let alone the 2020 targets. Your party promised in the last election that you would end the fossil fuel subsidies. You haven't done so. Why not?
5: Uh, We actually just launched a a consultation last week to help identify the inefficient uh, uh, fossil fuel subsidies that we can phase out. Uh, That's one of the many measures. There's over 50 measures that are part of our plan. We're not only putting a price on pollution even though that seems to get a lot of the attention. We're making historic investments in public transit. By 2030, 90% of electricity in Canada is going to be generated from clean resources. We're investing in energy efficiency and the green economy. Uh, Literally over 50 measures. Uh, uh, Let me just just push back
0: one last time Mr. Fraser. I I understand all that you're doing a lot but you it was a key part of your platform was ending what the sustainable development uh, commissioner calls 1.2 billion dollars in fossil fuel subsidies you haven't ended it you've had three and a half years to do so why not
5: Uh, that's right the uh, we're still committed to uh, phasing out those uh, subsidies by 2025 uh, we are working with Canadians to identify uh, where the ineffective uh, uh, fossil fuel subsidies are. Uh, it's important that we're, uh, we're ensuring that uh, different industries are competing on level footing. Uh, and I'm committed to making sure that we do get there because, frankly, we don't have a choice.
0: Uh, let me talk to you, Lisa Raitt. Ms. Raitt, Andrew Shear was on this program a year ago. He said... Uh, yes, I did vote to commit to the Paris Climate Accord. He whipped the vote. All of your party voted to accept the same targets and the same treaty that the Liberals set. They're the Harper targets, by the way, from the government that you were in. Mm-hmm. In fact, Stephen Harper promoted a carbon price of 60, up to $65 a ton. So for all the criticism of the Liberal plan, where is the Conservative Climate Plan?
3: Well, it's gonna be coming this summer, and Andrew's been really clear about that along the way. But one thing that will not be a feature of the climate plan is gonna be this carbon tax that the Liberals have slapped on everything and there's a good reason for it. I mean you'll notice that the Liberals have stopped calling it a carbon tax and linking it to emissions because they know that the carbon tax isn't going to decrease emissions in and of itself when it's so low. So now they call it a price on pollution. But the most egregious thing about the carbon tax, Evan, is the fact that there are four provinces who have their own plan to reduce their emissions. In Ontario, in my province, the government has said that they will meet the targets that have been set in Paris. 30% below 2005 limits by 2030. That is important to note, because what the Liberals are really saying is, well, we don't believe you, Ontario, and we're going to imply, we're going to put this carbon tax on you in any event. That's not listening to provinces.
0: Okay, but let me try to listen to Andrew Shearer, because I want, and and please be clear. Are you saying that when Andrew Shearer comes up with this plan, that he will actually have a plan that will meet the Paris climate targets that you guys signed on to and he's gonna meet that without a carbon tax so you will meet meet the targets is that correct
3: well I didn't say that what I said was what you will not see in our plan is a carbon tax but the rest of the plan we're gonna unroll this summer and I think it makes sense for us to do it in a holistic way we've made a couple of announcements we have said that in a general environment plan we're gonna stop pouring raw sewage into our rivers, lakes and streams. Canadians like that. We've also indicated that we're going to incentivize people to make sure that they reduce their emissions. But, but okay, I, I, okay but hang on, but, but sorry, I
0: don't want you to skate mm-hmm. around this. I'm going to quote Andrew Scheer on this program. I will unveil a plan, he said to this to my face, that reaches the targets that we have already voted for in favor favor of. We will have a meaningful plan to reduce emissions. And I said, will you meet the targets in Paris? And he said yes. So I'm asking you to just make sure I'm clear. Your party will have a plan that will hit the Paris Climate Accord carbon emissions. Is that right, yes or no?
3: Yes or no? Boy, you're sounding like question period now, Evan.
0: Well, I well this say is this question sin. period.
3: Yes I or no. I hear you. <laughs> so <laughs> so the, the, uh, the answer to that is I can't give you a yes or no at this moment because we haven't unveiled our plan. And I think what people have to see is the entire plan and have it rolled out in a comprehensive way. We know we're going to get judged on it. We know for a fact people are looking to see what our plan is going to be. But I can tell you two things. There will be a plan and it's going to deal with the things okay. that Canadians care about, and that but, is environment and reduction of emissions. But you're skating but around whether the, you're going to hit the targets. You,
0: you voted for the targets, your party voted for them, you've signed on to them, they're the Harper targets, and you cannot come out and say you're going to hit those targets. That's becoming pretty apparent, that you won't commit to the very promises that you made.
3: No, no, no. What I Just because I can't commit to telling you what's in the plan today doesn't mean they're not going to be in the plan, Evan. That's two different things. What I'm saying is the plan will be unveiled. The plan will have all the information in it. We're gonna bring it out so Canadians can digest it in the summer so that they can take a look at it as we move forward into the the fall election we believe that we have to be able to defend it and we will and we understand what the concerns are but the plan will come out together in the summer
0: uh alexander your party says the plan and the targets don't go far enough so what price yep. on carbon would the ndp like to put on
6: hmm. Right now, we have to uh, we have to consider that the, the record of the liberal government on climate change is is quite frankly embarrassing. Uh, you know, two years ago, we uh, we just learned that we uh, they will uh, you know miss the conservative targets by 66. 66- Megaton. And last year, the uh, uh, the environment ministry said we're going to miss the those targets by 79 megatons. So maybe they are that's a good idea to put a price on on, on carbon and on pollution. But it's too little, too late. So how are how high the, would in the, the NDP go? And us. they bought a pipeline with our, the public money for 4.5 billion dollars. So you cannot say I'm going to meet the targets at the same time. I'm going to triple the production of the most polluting oil in the world so so what price so can you answer the question you know the price on, on carbon is one thing uh maybe we will look at the, this uh, 50 bucks per uh, per ton that is enough or, or not enough but there's a, a several other things that we, we can do, we can use the money we are giving to uh, big oil companies and invest that in renewable energy to make the shift that our economy uh, need right now. If we want to be serious about fighting climate change, we have a plan. I was uh, I had a meeting yeah, uh, last week about about that, and we will unveil those those measures, really bold measures from the NDP in the next uh, next coming weeks.
0: Uh, all right, I got to leave it there. Sean Fraser, Lisa Raiten, Alexander Bularis. I appreciate that coming up. Months after getting caught in a sexting scandal and getting thrown out of the conservative caucus, Tony Clement has decided to call it quits. Have there been any lessons learned? What actually happened? Tony Clement will join us after the break to tell us. Stay right here with Question Period. Welcome back to Question Period. Sexting, attempted blackmail, RCMP investigation very sensational headlines about one of the most well-known politicians in the country the former minister and Ontario MP Tony Clement who announced this past week that he will not be running again in the next election now remember mister Clement was kicked out of the conservative caucus and off the National Security Committee after he admitted to sending inappropriate pictures and video over social media to people he believed were young women but were in fact two men in the Ivory Coast who tried to blackmail him for thousands of dollars it is never easy when private lives of public officials cross wires. So how has Mr. Clement dealt with all this? Uh, let's find out. I'm joined now by Mr. Clement. And thank you for being here. I know it's not an sure. easy conversation to have, sir. Yeah. Uh, and you and I have talked for a long time mm-hmm. about this. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been a public figure for a long time, Tony Clement. T- tell our, our viewers and tell us what exactly happened, because we, we saw the headlines. We haven't heard your story
7: yeah well obviously i had a severe personal crisis and uh, uh... to use the metaphor i went down a deep dark valley and uh... i tried to get out by myself i can handle this i can i can deal with this and uh, i was not successful and so when uh... these uh, blackmailers uh... tried to blackmail me that's when i realized i had to come clean uh... on the things that i had done that i was not proud of in any way and uh, turn a corner and uh... that's what i did it was it's it's been as you know humiliating and uh... not fun for my family as well but uh... i really felt that this was now or never in terms of turning my life around it. and that's it, what i've been doing
0: it, and 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 you that you're talking about is quite extraordinary that moment where, as you called it, the deep, dark hole, and you realized the first time that you were being blackmailed, because there's two episodes. What was the, that?
7: The, the, no, there's only, that's what, there's only what? one episode. One episode. Yeah, yeah. What
0: was it like when that that moment when you realized, oh, my goodness, I'm about to I'm being blackmailed for this, and, and right. all of a sudden you're at a crossroads. What was that moment like? Uh, it,
7: uh, well, it was instantaneous that I, I knew I had to do what anyone would consider the right thing, that is to say inform the authorities like the RCMP, uh, inform my, my caucus uh, whip, Mark Strahl, uh, you know, I, inform my wife. Right. Uh, these things, I, I, I immediately knew I had to do those things because if I tried to fix that, it would, it would be even worse.
0: Mr. Shear initially stood by you, yeah, and then he said, no, I've got to kick you out. And he said, I took him at his word that there was only an isolated incident. Right. Since then, there have been numerous reports of other incidents and allegations. So in that respect, I've asked Mr. Clement Tony to resign from caucus. So I know you said there's one incident. So were there multiple incidents or not? Because it, apparently Mr. Shear said, you didn't come clean on everything first what happened
7: one incident of blackmail but uh, other incidents of improper behavior oh i see okay uh, and and uh, why did i not uh, let andrew know and i fe- i've apologized to him personally for not letting him know very simple uh, shame and guilt and, shame and guilt uh, that's why i didn't uh, come completely clean on the night of october 31st when i realized that uh, that the blackmail attempt was being made so uh, I, I just straight
0: I, up like it must yeah. have been hard just yeah. you had your career your public persona. there was, there was So there was other incidents, but you just thought, you just couldn't bring yourself to talk about it.
7: Not, not initially, and, right? but then okay. I, uh, uh, several days later, I let it all out. You did. Uh, and uh, and I, I made a statement or I issued a statement saying, look, I've done, there's not only this incident, there's, a, there's these other incidents. Right. And uh, I apologize and I apologize to my family and I apologize to my colleagues and uh anyone else uh, who had supported me over time and uh promised that I would get the help I needed which I did do and promised I would turn a corner which I did do uh, but I had to come clean on it completely uh if if I was going to be sincere
0: were you concerned in the midst of this when all this was going on the blackmail attempt Because you had the highest security clearance on the Parliamentary Committee on National Security, were you concerned that there was a potential security threat through you uh, for Canada?
7: Absolutely not. And the reason I would say that is both the RCMP looked at it from that angle and decided that there was no security threat. The committee looked at it from that angle, said there was no security threat. This was strictly about trying to squeeze some dollars out of a hapless guy. The proof was... Again, I'm not excusing my behavior, but when push came to shove and there was somebody who was trying to get money from me, I did the right thing. I informed the RCMP immediately uh, and, and made sure that, uh, that they were shut down.
0: I wanted to ask you, Tony Clement, about the life. I mean, we don't talk about this. You've been a politician for a long time. Frankly, the life is, on Parliament Hill, can be lonely. It, you're away a lot. Um, did, was this a, the, one of the, you know, you talk about falling into a dark place. I'm not trying to alleviate the personal responsibility because right. I know you've taken it. But it is, is it an aspect of it, the life you've led? You know, like, is this part of the political life?
7: Yes, and I, I've got, uh, I'd like to use my answer to send a direct message to other parliamentarians and my colleagues. If you are... Facing anything similar to what I faced, and it may be alcohol, or it may be drugs, or it may be gambling, or it may be shopaholism, whatever, right? Get the help. Get the help. But what early. was it
0: that you're facing? Now, that's why I can't probably, Was it because I'm just trying to figure out what you said you got help, but what it's it's not. was it not a gambling addiction? What was it?
7: Well, I mean, doing these things that I was doing right. was irrational, right? So uh, I, I don't think my headspace was in the right space, and I never want to do this again. So uh, I've 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 You've created. Got I got the help. I got the counseling I needed, and I've got the the boundaries and the guardrails up. But I, I guess, again, I want to stress a message to people who may think that they can handle it, that, they, that this is just, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is that, that you're, you're keeping secret, uh, you know, go, go get the help and, and, you're, and, and get the help from your colleagues, too, who, who, can, who can be around you and, and help you live the life that we all want to live.
0: Not easy conversations. I appreciate you doing this. Thank you, Mr. Clement. No, appreciate thank you. It. Yeah. And good luck. Uh, that is Tony Clement. Uh, Coming up, was Justin Trudeau right to throw Jane Philpott and Jody Wilson-Raybould out of the Liberal caucus? Should he have done it a long time ago or not? The Scrum is here with the former Director of Communications for Jean Chrétien as our special guest, Peter DiNolo. Stay right here with Question Period.
1: If a politician secretly records a conversation with anyone... It's wrong when that politician is a cabinet minister secretly recording a public servant it's wrong and when that cabinet minister is the attorney general of canada secretly recording the clerk of the privy council it's unconscionable
3: it's unconscionable to tread um over the independence of the prosecutor it is unconscionable not to uphold the rule of law.
0: They're out, but it's far from over. After two months of will he or won't he, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau finally kicked former Cabinet Ministers Jody Wilson-Raybould and Dr. Jane Philpott out of the Liberal caucus. But both of these two former ministers who were stars in the Liberal Cabinet constellation have said an apology or an admission of improper pressure would have ended all this a lot sooner. So did the Prime Minister do the right thing by kicking them out? was jane philpot guilty by association after all she never secretly taped anyone does this end the controversy let's dig into this the scrum is here what a week for the scrum bob fife is the uh, bureau chief for the globe and mail uh, joy Snapier is ctv's ottawa bureau chief craig oliver is ctv's chief political commentator and our special guest is the former director of communications for jean cratia mr peter D'Onolo. all right everyone let me start with Mr. Donnelly. This is uh, your business. Uh, what have you made of the, the crisis management of the Trudeau government and f- ending up tossing these high-profile ministers out?
8: I'm not sure that it was the right thing to kick them out of caucus, to be quite honest. I think it bought the PM some peace with his own caucus, but I think it looks terrible for the public. It furthers uh, the victimization narrative of, uh, of both... Uh, uh, ministers, both former ministers, particularly Jody Wilson-Raybould. And listen, they've launched a star with her. Uh, she's now the uh, second most famous politician in Canada, period. Yeah. Most of the Trudeau cabinet couldn't get picked up, uh, you know, picked uh, in the lineup. But <laughs> yeah. she's, she's a household name now. <laughs> so, and so, so, uh, so where that's going to go, we don't know.
0: Bob Fife, uh, I mean, Justin Trudeau thinks kicking them out ends it. Is the public experience thing that a little differently than he is?
9: Well, no, I do actually think that this story is going to die out now. Uh, Miss wilson Unless, uh, of course, unless the Prime Minister's office continues to throw more f- fuel on the fire, which they seem to c- constantly do, uh, I, th- I think Miss Wilson-Raybo has said that... that- That she's had her say. Like they've run out of boats. That they've run out of bullets. uh, uh, And that, you know, if they want to move on with their own lives and figure out what they're going to do, whether they're going to stay in politics or not stay in politics, It it really is going to be up to the prime minister's office or the people around him who continually try to discredit her and keep the story alive, which to me has been the untold story, really that everybody in this town is talking about is the total incompetence of the prime minister's office in dealing with a crisis like this. And if they're going to get out of this and have a chance of winning the next election campaign, I think they really need to get some pros in that uh, prime minister's office, people like Donalo, who actually knows how to deal with crisis management. Stop it, Bob. (laughs) You you might be recruited.
10: You might be recruited. Craig. As you sift through the remains of the day and you're a liberal, what are you left with? Uh, probably the biggest debacle for any national government in at least a generation. The prime minister has lost his top advisors, He's lost his two most popular and some would say competent ministers. His own credibility has been badly undermined. His government now, whether it's winnable for them, the question is, uh, is it, is it uh, sustainable? Uh this is just about as bad as it gets and liberals don't have very much to feel very good about. Well okay so George let
0: me go to you because this the Liberals have said that Jody Wilson's Raybould credibility, uh, her credibility took a hit with the, the secret taping. Now, she said, why are you focusing on that I tape? What about focusing on the content? But has her credibility taken a hit? In other words, has the story changed a bit and her halo may have been drained of some of the gold?
2: Well, I think actually, yeah, the, the, the short answer is yes. The tape recording, I think, shocked a few people. And, um, you know, I, I, I think people who had made up their mind are questioning now that, particular you know, action. Uh, that's the first one. And the second one is, you know, this was all about speaking the truth. And then we found out last week that actually the truth is negotiable. And I think the truth is the truth and it's mean, not you, negotiable. You mean the, mean I mean demand? the conditions. So yes, I would like an apology, but bundled in there, I would also like a few people fired. And I think that perhaps look this is an ugly war Uh, civil wars are the bloodiest and the ugliest ones in history so this is a a civil war within the liberal party and so obviously it's going to be ugly and it's going to be a lot of dirty laundry washed in public but we do find out that you know the sainthood is 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 probably not that clean if indeed this truth is negotiable Mm -hmm. then it Mm -hmm. isn't that noble
0: Peter Giannolo, just you've been there. How, how typical is it? Because jo, Jane Philpott and Jody Wilson-Rabel have not verified the story that there were demands, just to be clear. But sources have told multiple media organizations there were demands. Uh, how typical would it be for someone like Jody Wilson-Rabel to say, you know what? These people have done something wrong. You've got to get rid of these people on the condition that I'll take another job. Uh, what did you make of that?
8: Well, listen. I don't believe that ministers can make demands about how the prime minister runs the government. If they if they can convince the prime minister based on the merits of the case, so be it. But you know, making demands or blackmailing or threats, I don't think works with any prime minister. I wouldn't advise it as a as a career move on the part of a minister. I don't know if this story is true. It, it is kind of funny that it, that those so-called demands, two or three of them, ended up be, ended up taking place anyway uh, with uh, people leaving. Uh, but I don't know. I have a hard time picturing that, I have a hard time, and I have a hard time seeing a, a prime minister's office bow to it.
9: Uh, well, yeah, but first of all, we don't know whether it's true. It's, it's coming from people on the Trudeau side. Uh, and we don't know if, in fact, if this is true, what demands did Mr. Trudeau have? Come out there and deny the story that there was any inappropriate pressure? But whatever the case is, if it is true, she certainly seemed to have, her game plan seem to work because Butts is gone. The clerk is gone, you know, and, and the, the whole issue of an apology, she's publicly said he should have apologized. And frankly, if he had apologized a, a long time ago and said, you know, on reflection, my, my staff shouldn't have put pressure on the, on the attorney general the way she is, he did, I'm going to make sure this doesn't happen again, and I'm sorry for it. This story would have been long gone, long time yeah, ago. The trouble is, he said from the beginning, it was that they were, innocent. they
10: were innocent of, doing, of any wrongdoing. But he said, it was once, false. He said that, yeah. once he had said that, once he had said that, he had nowhere to go, and then the had story kept changing. He blamed and it, it got, on Scott. It got Bryson. worse and worse, and he couldn't back off that insistence that his government hadn't done anything particular wrong and had not pressured her. Nobody believes they didn't pressure her.
9: <laughs> no, they. You have know, and not- that begs the go question ahead,
8: that, No, that begs the question because. David Lametti still has, we still haven't gotten a signal from David Lametti right. about whether he's going to go ahead with the uh, deferred prosecution agreement or not. And it seems to me, you know, they're, by, by letting this hang out there for a long time, they should get off the pot. Either go ahead and do it, because they've actually made the case about why it's the right thing to do, uh, or don't do it if it's too toxic, but don't leave it hanging out there. Peter,
0: uh, as you said earlier, the Prime Minister's office is probably not going to write this one up as uh, how to do crisis <laughs> management 101, but you've been there if you had any advice. Advice on how to handle this now going forward what would you say
8: well first of all stop leaking stuff that makes trying to make uh jody wilson raybold look bad every time they've done it it's been like something in a you know it's been like w- wiley coyote in the roadrunner <laughs> every time they've tried it it blows up in their face and they end up, it ends up backfiring. They look bad, and it just further enhances her, so they should stop that if they are doing it. But, you know, the bit about the Supreme Court Justice last week, uh, if this is true, what Bob says, that the uh, that the rumors about, that the story about, you know, her four conditions actually came from the PM's supporters, that's a mistake. So, so stop that. And the other thing is, change the subject. It's not like there aren't a ton of other controversial issues in this country where the liberals could take a stand that wedge in their direction. And they should. Uh, you know, a ton of issues. Everything from uh, Canada-U.S. relations. Look at the whole issue of of the Religious Symbols Act in Quebec. Uh, there's a whole phalanx of issues they could they could go on. With, I'll be honest with you, a little, a little trade secret. When we used to get in trouble, that's what we would do. We'd change the subject by putting something equally controversial on the table, and everyone would run towards that. It'll be pick an issue with the conservatives so it'll start frothing at the mouth and have another big debate, but on something that wedges in the liberals' favor.
0: Well, uh, it happens in my house a lot where you lose the channel changer. I guess they've lost it up in that building behind me. Uh, Peter Danolo, thank you so much. We'll find out if they can change the channel. But coming up, as the SNC Lavalin issue settles in, has it transformed the political landscape in the upcoming federal election? And what other defining issues, we've just been talking about them, have been maybe overlooked in the feeding frenzy over this crisis? Carbon, Quebec, there's lots. The scrum returns with special guest pollster Nick Nano. Stay right here with question period. Well, just over two months ago, the liberals thought they had their election team primed and ready, but uh, to tweak an old expression, people make plans and politics laughs at them. Look who's gone now, Dr. Jane Philpott, who was... I don't know, the Swiss army knife of the liberal cabinet, the health minister, indigenous services minister, president of the Treasury Board. Then you got Jordy Wilson-Raywald gone. Gerald Butts is gone. The clerk of the Privy Council, Michael Wernick, is gone. Even Selena uh, Cesar Chavan is gone. So has the SNC-Lavalin controversy permanently changed the political landscape? And are there other issues that might come up to the center that we're overlooking in the frenzy. Let's bring back the scrum to find out. Bob Fife is back. Joyce Napier is back. Craig Oliver is back. And our special guest this round (laughs) is the president and CEO of Nanos Research, Nick Nanos. Nick, damage assessment time, long-term damage, short-term damage, do they, is this a fender bender or is the frame permanently damaged for the liberal car?
1: Well, for the Liberals, they've taken the damage that they're going to get so far, but the permanent and greatest damage has been to the Prime Minister. He is not realistically going to recover from this. He can only hope to survive this and to perform better than Andrew Scheer in the next federal election because this will be part of his legacy, what is how damage? he handled or mishandled this particular controversy. So what aspects? What is damage particularly? Well, what it is is the fact that uh, he was not in control of the narrative. He did not have a clear response. He kind of had a different narrative throughout, and that people are resigning. You cannot put a happy face on the resignations. And you know what? Justin Trudeau has created the attack ad for himself. You have two cabinet ministers who resigned, a principal secretary and a clerk of the Privy Council. You can see the attack ad. That was delivered on a silver platter to Andrew Scheer and the Conservatives. I I, I think he has been
9: permanently damaged as a leader. He's come across as a weak leader. He's come across as an incompetent leader. He's come across as a politician like every other politician. He will mislead you. he's not no longer can claim the mantle of being a feminist prime minister he's damaged his relationship with indigenous people so i think his leadership is, is, is certainly damaged and it's going to hurt them in the election campaign so what the liberals have to do is focus on policy show Canadians that they have better policies than the Conservatives and get the people to vote for them not because of Justin Trudeau but because they'll have a better government that will be that will have better policies than the Conservatives and I
2: think they don't understand how deep the damage is right? Uh, It took the prime minister so many weeks to take charge and to to be in charge instead of getting ahead of the problem, which was a huge problem and is still a huge problem. They didn't. They waited. They waited. So they were playing defense all along instead of saying, "Okay, we need someone to get ahead of this, get in front of the mics and, and put an end to it. But
10: it's still possible, I think, that the conservative leader, Andrew Scheer, may save the day for trudeau <laughs> he has never he has never run a national campaign they're very difficult he isn't particularly good at thinking on his feet when things are breaking uh canadians still i think don't quite get him uh and he's on the wrong side of the climate debate so i think it's yep. possible that and, and the other the other thing is that a lot of the votes the Liberals are losing are not going to the Conservative Party. They're going to other parties. Yeah, but you know what? Two things. First of all, on Bob's point, I would
1: say that policy is not enough for the Liberals because it's thin gruel on that front. They need to also... Mm build their team, that they have a team and a policy. And they haven't done that because this has been a one-person show from the very beginning. The good news for Justin Trudeau is that he's not competing against perfection because if he was, he would not be prime minister. He's competing against Andrew Scheer. So he just has to be this much better than Andrew Scheer.
0: Bob, you talk about uh, policy. Climate change and the carbon tax, and we talked about it earlier in the program, has emerged as one of the defining issues, certainly for four provinces that are led by conservatives and for Andrew Scheer. Um, Is that a sword or a shield issue for Justin Trudeau?
9: Well, look, I think that the the Liberals can make climate change an election issue for them. Having uh, Andrew Scheer standing at a gas pump saying, oh, the carbon tax is going to increase the the price of gas, when we all know that climate change is a serious problem, is not going to wash with a lot of people. So I think for the Liberals, that should be a, a wedge issue for them because young people are concerned about the environment. Joyce, what do, you, what do you think? Does that become, like, I think the liberals would rather fight on the carbon, right now, on the
0: carbon tax and on SNC, because they'd rather fight yeah. on anything. But is, does that become an issue where
2: Trudeau can kind of win back some of that? Well, I don't think that SNC will be a ballot question or a ballot issue, right? Well, the issue is he's tarnished, right? That image is tarnished. So, you know, the sort of white knight that's fighting for climate, I think people are going to hear Tax, a, 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 a tax, and a tax, and you know whoever is going to run on a tax is you know not going to run ahead.
0: Is that a defining issue, Nick Nanos, the climate, like carbon tax? Does that become mm. one of the issues in the next election? For the liberals, they've got to put this out the
1: door, focus on their broader environmental strategy, and say, at, put the heat on the conservatives. It's kind of like, okay, you don't like a carbon tax, fair. What are you going to do to meet? our environmental aspirations. The conservatives have to have an answer on that.
0: Uh, Craig, Mm -hmm. what other issues? So we've talked a lot about the carbon tax, and we've talked a lot for the last eight weeks about SNC-Lavalin. In the frenzy of this, Mm -hmm. what other issues have we been overlooking that may in the next six months, once the spring waters come, might flower up
10: and become big issues? The global trading system is hanging in the balance on the increasingly difficult trade talks between China and the United States. As far as Canada is concerned, uh, I think we have to do something really substantive, and I believe in our interests, not because of Chinese pressure, we should refuse to extradite uh, Madame Meng.
0: This is, the, uh, this is the Chinese telecom, the right. Huawei telecom, is being held. You say we should say she, she,
10: no extradition to the U.S. Right, because she's never committed a crime in Canada. The crime she supposedly committed in the United States would not be a crime in Canada under any circumstances. Uh, the, it's clear all the time, more and more clear, that she's... Just a bargaining chip for the president. And finally, ask yourself, what have the Americans done for us lately? In the end, they will say it's part of the deal. They're going to drop the extradition and we'll look like patsies. Let's do something which is an assertion of Canadian sovereignty and say, let this woman go home. Get out of town.
0: All right. Now, Joyce, what issue are we overlooking uh, that you think we hey Pay attention to this. This is
2: going to be a big issue. Oh, I think it's the Quebec secular law. This, yeah. uh, this religious signs law that we have completely ignored on this side of the border. But if you look at, at what's going on in Quebec, it is a hot debate. And the, the federal politicians are all going to put walk right into it because it isn't going anywhere and it will be debated for a long time and if you think last last election that was a controversy this one is even huger so they better prepare their weapons because that's going to be a nasty one Bob uh,
9: well I think what's happening in the United States NAFTA the new NAFTA agreement is in big trouble in the US Congress and you're seeing uh, Donald Trump uh, saying he's going to close down the border with Mexico mm. because he thinks that's an election issue for him. He's in big trouble. don't I expect or, or fear that he could do not close down the Canadian border, but get more tough with Canada on a lot of economic issues. And to Craig's point, we're already getting hit by the Chinese. Yes. If the Americans play hardball, uh, which Trump is very capable of doing, our economy, which is precarious right now, could be in serious trouble. Yeah, about
2: and we new have auto walked...
10: tariffs against
2: Mexico. I'm exactly, sorry. and we have walked right into that problem uh, of trade with China. We walked right into it.
0: All right. i got to leave that at. Nick Nanos, Bob Fife, Joyce Napier, and Craig Oliver. Thanks, all of you, for watching. The House is back in session for another week. Tomorrow we'll all be watching it very closely for the next twist in the soap opera that is As Parliament Hill Turns. And we will be back here in seven short days.
7: You're watching CTV News Channel.